On today's episode of the Latter Lesbian Podcast, I'm so excited because we have Zelf on the shelf. Yes, Tanner and Samantha with their videos and their funniness. <laughs> <sighs> Is it the shelf or a shelf? Zelf on the, the shelf. The shelf mm-hmm, mm-hmm. versus like. Elf on a shelf. Or is no. it the? Is it elf on the shelf? I don't know. Is it only one shelf? Yeah, maybe I'm totally wrong. We'll <laughs> see. I feel like my shelf is breaking as we yeah. talk about yeah, this. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, should we get to the interview? Let's do it because it's a good one and it's nice and long. Enjoy. <laughs> All right. We'll be right back. Are you struggling to lose weight and keep it off? Tired of wasting time and money on starvation diets that lead to more frustration and stress? If there was a weight loss solution that could actually work for you, would you try it? Then head to golo.com. I'm Steve. I lost 138 pounds in nine months on Golo. I'm Amber. I've lost 128 pounds with Golo. If you're ready to take back control of your life, head to golo.com now and see how Golo can work for you. That's golo.com. My sleep is way better. My inflammation has gone way down. Golo saved my life. I was way overweight. That's what sent me down the path. I wanted to make sure and live for my kid. I have literally tried everything. I was on the verge of getting gastric bypass surgery, and I saw the Golo commercial, and it was the last thing I tried because it worked. Join over 2 million people who found a better way to lose weight with Golo. Your healthier and happier life begins at Golo.com. That's G-O-L-O.com. Again, G-O-L-O.com. Hey everybody, welcome to Latter-day Lesbian, the podcast about an ex-Mormon gig girl. <laughs> I don't know where that came from. It was amazing and I loved it. <laughs> just trying to figure out her life. Okay. I'm just throwing oh, that me. in there. Yep, yep, yep. Mm-hmm. I'm Mary. I'm Shelly. And uh, I guess we already said it in the open, but we have a really fun interview coming up. Mm-hmm. Wait, fun I need guests. to do an announcement first. Oh, you want to do some announcements? Yes. Okay, let's hear because your announcement. Because we're about to start our Pride Festival season. Whoa. We're just being very sing-songy today. <laughs> um, first stop is Phoenix, Arizona. We will be there the 3rd, the 4th, and the 5th of April. Mm-hmm. Mark your calendar. And, mark your calendar. The 4th and the 5th is the festival, but on the 3rd, we're having a meet and greet at Stacy's at Melrose. Yeah, it should be a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. You can check our calendar on our website. Yeah, just added that calendar feature. If you go to latterdaylesbian.org slash schedule. Mm-hmm. So come and meet us. Yeah, check it out. The address is on there and the time that we're getting started should all be really crystal clear. Crystal. Crystal clear. Crystal. We're yes. excited for this new season of Prides. Yep. Should we get to the interview? Let's do it. I'm so excited. Shelly, we have special guests today. I'm Very so excited. excited. Are Seriously. you excited? I am. And I'll tell you why. <laughs> tell me why. I threw out a question to our patrons that I'm like, okay, we're lining up uh, interviews for 2020. Who do you want us to try to get on? People are like, we want Zelf on the shelf. Zelf on the shelf. Well, look at that. Well, okay. You ask and you shall receive. Ask and you shall receive. <laughs> so I guess that's a spoiler. We have Zelf on the shelf here. Oh, shit. I just ruined it. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> the rumors are true. <laughs> they are true. So we have Samantha and Tanner. Uh, do you guys go by your first and last names? For some reason on our podcast, we're on a first name basis. I don't know exactly how that got started. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, we do first names. All right. My name is Mary Rutt. Oh my gosh, she just threw that shit. I don't know if you've ever said that. I don't think I've ever said it. Whoa. <laughs> but you know, on Facebook, that's what I that's go true. by. So. That was a little bit of a turn on. I am Shelly Johnson. <laughs> that's what we go by now. Yeah, okay. When anyway. you're me. <laughs> but this is not about us. This is not, although <laughs> most things turn into that. Mm-hmm. But we have Samantha Shelley and Tanner Gilliland. Am I saying that correctly, Tanner? Yeah, that's pretty good. All right. First try. Wow. Yeah. If people and, get in the neighborhood, I give them a pass. And that was like, <laughs> that was it. That was spot wow. on. Wow. Mary, you're so damn smart. <laughs> so Zelf on the shelf. So first of all, I didn't know what the heck a Zelf was. So we have this segment on our podcast called the fucked up Mormon phrase of the day. And Shelly quizzes me on Mormon terms. And of course, I get about 1% of them right. I, f- I got flirt to convert right. That's easy. <laughs> right. You can, you know, figure <laughs> yeah. that one out. Most of them I have no idea. Yeah. Zelf, I had no idea what the heck that was. It was like bones of some sort of early American that was supposed to be a, um, a, a white, Lamanite. A white Lamanite, right? 
Yeah. White Lamanite prophet warrior. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> uh, quadruple threat. <laughs> wow. That's good shit. So, yeah, so clearly you probably figured out by now that Mary was never a Mormon. Never Mormon. I was born and raised Mormon. Yeah. So oh. basically I just point and laugh at all the weird stuff. <laughs> yeah. Pretty much. I first came across Tanner back when I was leaving the church. Uh, we kind of crossed paths in some sort of fringy Mormon things, and I kind of stayed— uh, and he sort of kept on going down the path of leaving the church. We weren't like, we didn't like hang out. We weren't friends by any means, but we had conversations um, online. We were, we were virtual friends, I guess. And um, we had, we messaged back and forth from time to time. He actually had a, fr- a few online run-ins with my brother, David. Oh, really? <laughs> David yeah. Johnson. Do you remember him, Tanner? <laughs> uh, vaguely. <laughs> Some funny shit. Uh, that is funny. Anyway, Tanner sort of fell off. My radar, I suppose, is probably not the world's radar. And then the next time I heard from him was when you did that freaking kick-ass poem. Uh, and then I realized, oh, yeah, he's left the church. Um, was it called Mormonism and Me? Is that the name yeah. of that? Yeah. That was that's the first it. time I, I saw him on Facebook. And I'm like, dude, that's Tanner. I remember him. And then listening to, to the words of it. Um, but that was my reintroduction to Tanner, which was a big difference between the Tanner I had known before. So now that I've talked all about you, how I know you, let's hear your stories of where you came from uh, and how you left Mormonism. Who wants to go first? Samantha, your turn. Yeah. You were born and raised in the church, right? No. So I joined the church when I was 17. That's right. Okay. But you were Mormon. Yeah, so um, to cut a long story short, I had a friend in high school who was Mormon, and he introduced me to the missionaries, and I was sort of in like a semi-vulnerable place in my life, and, Mm -hmm. you know, I was just 17 and didn't really know a whole lot, and certainly didn't know that much about religion, because I'd been raised, you know, atheist, agnostic, nothing really. Mm -hmm. I think I was just attracted to sort of these um, sort of picture-perfect families and just um, the family that converted me was really lovely and kind of took me under their wing in certain ways, and that was really nice and became really close with them. So that's how I became Mormon. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I ended up going to BYU-Idaho, which is where I met Tana in an advertising class. Oh. oh there you go. And so, it was instant friendship. <laughs> it was not. Not, not quite. <laughs> oh, oh, that sounds like a story. We were all to animate. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> we were just in the same advertising class, and um, Tana always loves to tell the story of how he complimented my shoes, and I was just like, thanks, which to for me, a British person, is a really friendly, perfectly reasonable response. That's, that, that's like a Americans hug and a kiss on the cheek. like, wow, she's a bitch. <laughs> so that was Basically. our first interaction. You, you then snubbed I, him. You totally snubbed him. <laughs> I mean, not on purpose. <laughs> but then over the course of the class, we sort of, uh, yeah, became friends. And here we are. So, Samantha, were you still a believer at, in that class? And Tanner, were you still a believer during that class? Yeah, we both were, weren't we, Tana? Okay. Yep, both believed. We initially nice. bonded over both being very, um, quote-unquote, spiritual, you know, into Mormonism. Oh. <laughs> That's the whole idea, right? You're going to BYU-Idaho, so everyone's supposed to be spiritual, aren't they? Well, that is the idea, yeah. Religious, anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Something. Yeah. yeah. So supposed that's to at least where you not guys... drink coffee. No, don't drink the coffee. And don't break the honor code. No. Yeah. So that's where you guys met. So let me take Tanner back. Tanner, how did you get to the point of BYU-Idaho? Um, I needed somewhere to go that was cheap and had a lot of Mormon women to potentially marry. So uh. <laughs> it seemed like the best best course for me. Yeah. Um, except for that it's uh, like negative 20,000 degrees all year round. Yeah. <laughs> and for an Arizona boy like myself, it was a bit tough, but uh, got through it. Did either of you go on a mission? I did, yeah. Where'd you go? Uh, Brazil. So I spent two years on the equator and then went to <laughs> went to Rexburg, <laughs> Idaho. Wow, Ooh. you probably literally almost died. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds horrible. Nose did you hair's have- freezing too much. At what point, Tanner, did you start having questions about the church? Um, probably around my junior or senior year of college. So at that point, Samantha and I had started making YouTube videos together, not Zelf on the Shelf, but just, we started for a class and then we kept doing it because they were pretty funny and people liked them. Mm -hmm. And, uh, well, I had some friends who asked me questions about the church and I was super into church history and doctrine. So, uh, when they came to me with their doubts, I said, oh, let me do a little research and 
We know that research is not the answer. That so is Zelda not Rose. the answer. <laughs> you broke you the broke cardinal shelf. rule. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So uh, it kind of sent the things on the shelf crumbling, and I mm-hmm. tried to scatter to put it back up, and said, "Okay, before I just walk away from this entirely, I'm gonna do the best I can." Like. It's not even like before I do it. It's like, no, I can't, I can't do this. I have to figure out how it's true. This is my ultimate test yeah. of faith. This is my Abrahamic test or whatever they call yeah. it. I have to prove that the church is true. This is my calling in life is to help people who struggle. So went down the rabbit hole. What in particular was on your shelf as far as history? What do you think? Uh, I mean, it started with questions about polygamy, questions about uh, race and the priesthood mm-hmm. and the authenticity of the Book of Mormon. Those were probably the big ones at the time. Those are big ones for sure. Though I often say if I could go back, I think I left the church for the wrong reasons. If I could go back, I'd go back for women's and gay rights, but uh, those will have to do. Well, we definitely progress a lot after we leave the church. For, for sure. sure. Suddenly you're you're open and free to become who you are and to see people as people, not as, you know, missionary projects. Right. Uh, Samantha, what was your shelf breaking around what time in, uh, of life and what was it? Tana ultimately was the reason I started having doubts because not through any, um, like, deliberate efforts, but Tana mm-hmm. just sort of introduced me to various questions and ideas and information. So I sort of was like, kind of just one step behind him the whole time. And then obviously yeah. on my own journey to try and make it all true in my mind. Um, and I think Tana, um, you know, the house of cards came down maybe a week before me or yeah. to be honest, like it was simultaneous timing. It was just my bravery and accepting it to myself more than anything. But yeah. Gotcha. Wow. Was there a moment where you both sat down and were like, holy shit, Tanner, this isn't true. Holy shit, Samantha, this isn't true. Like this reveal? Um, I remember me and Tana went to this really sad, terrible pizza restaurant. The worst pizza. (laughs) Just as a kind of nice, um, you know, imagery of what was going on. But Mm -hmm. gotcha. where Tana told me that he was an atheist and that was like, you know, the craziest, hardest news for me because I'd watched Tana over the course of many months try so hard to maintain faith. Like, you know, a, a lot of Mormons... Um, are able to sort of justify people leaving with the idea that they didn't try hard enough, they wanted to sin. And I knew Tana way too well to believe any of that stuff. So I knew that like nobody tried harder than Tana. So if Tana couldn't do it, I was very dubious about the likelihood that I would be able to think that this was true for much longer. And, you know, essentially didn't at that point, it just took another week or so, or maybe two weeks, I forget, for Mm -hmm. me to accept it to myself. Mm-hmm. Tanner, you were her uh, example and you failed. <laughs> you're supposed to keep her in. <laughs> yeah, you're no supposed to keep her in. No forgiveness in this that. world or the world to come. <laughs> None. Mm-hmm. On the day that I sort of accepted to myself that it was false, me and Tanner went to Chili's for lunch. <laughs> Apparently, we weren't working much. <laughs> and um, I tried to order a margarita as like a defiant, you know. Samantha, you're supposed to start with coffee. You can't just jump off the cliff. It's coffee first. Jesus. Yeah. Well, I'd done alcohol before. I hadn't done coffee before. So um, anyway. How'd, how'd the margarita go? Salt or no salt? So These they the would not questions. serve me one because my ID was British. So it was kind of like a real, yeah, an anticlimax for sure. Yeah. We joked that if Samantha ever goes back to church, that'll be her enzyme story about how God wouldn't let her buy alcohol. <laughs> oh, Hell yeah. You can climb the ranks if you would go back to church, Samantha, and tell the story that how God stopped you from buying alcohol and that you're, suddenly the spirit came and your your life turned around and now you're like, Mary, yeah. you have seven kids. And, oh my yeah. gosh. Yeah. No, it's a real waste, honestly. But That's <laughs> still a good story. Oh, now, that's so great. Since you uh, were a convert around 17, what about anybody else in your family? Did they join the Mormon church too? No. Was that a weird thing for you you and your family? No. So I um, was raised with a single mom and I have no siblings. So um, there wasn't really a lot of people. <laughs> yeah, no, right. no backlash and no rejoicing when you left. Just kind of still the same. Um, I think people in my family were pleased when I left, definitely. Uh-huh. Right on. That seems like the right choice. Must be nice. Yeah. How, about, how about you, Tanner? What about your family? There's a couple who are out, but sort of in different way than I am. Yeah, they're not as vocal or mm-hmm. I don't consider myself an extremist, but they're certainly not as extreme as I am. <laughs> yeah, well, you're you're public and, you know, you don't try to act like the church is true. You're out yeah. there. People, people know who you all are. 
I want, if it's okay, because uh-huh. we're going to probably need to take a commercial break coming up, but I want to play a game. Okay. Play a game. Sure. Like Tanner yes. and Samantha. Not, Mary's like, sure, I'll play a game. Get up and I'll play a game. We love games. <laughs> so I just actually made this game up because we had a few uh, minutes before wow, we started look at this. Her, I know, game I'm, inventor. I'm, I'm very gamey. <laughs> and we are calling it Know Your Mormon Hymn. Ooh. Praise to the man. No, the, that's the only God, one I stop. know. Stop! You're gonna ruin it. <laughs> so what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna read a random line out of a hymn, and you have to tell me which hymn it is. Oh gosh! And Tanner, seriously, We're putting you, them on you the better spot. be crushing this. Samantha, I I get it. You weren't in it from birth like we were, so I'm not gonna give you the buzzer if you get anything wrong. Do you sing hymns at every service? Uh, yeah. Okay. I've there's never like been the to a Mormon service. opening hymns, so. and then there's the sacrament hymns, which are okay. so drawn out. So, you know, Samantha may know her fair share okay, of hymns. we'll, we'll see. But I'm not going to read the first verse, because typically the first verse is the name of the hymn. Anyway, okay. this is going around and around. Okay, the first song, I'm going to just, I'm not even going to sing the words. I'm going to say the word. Ready? Hosanna, Hosanna to God and the Lamb. <laughs> Any guesses? Um, Tanner, you can I, jump in, I have too. it in my head. I just don't know the name. The Spirit of God. Oh, Samantha got it. She got it? Ding, 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 ding. 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 We'll, we'll, we'll one for like, Samantha. Give her a tip. We'll insert bells. Okay, Samantha, <laughs> one. Nice. Oh, wow, that's pretty good. Well these played. Are, these are like random uh, verses. Okay, here comes another one. Ready? Ready. In Deseret's sweet, peaceful land. On Zion's mount, behold, it it's stands. Done. He got high it. on the mountain What's top. What's the name of it? Yeah, high on the mountain top. Did you know it was like my great, 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 great uncle wrote that? Wow. That's okay, right. one to one. Next one. Okay. This is funny. Is this funny? <laughs> yeah. Mary's like, what the hell are these songs? Uh-huh. Okay. Our shadow by day and our pillar by night. Shadow by day. He's wow. good. Nice voice. Redeemer of Israel. Boom! Wow. <laughs> okay, let's do one more All and right, then we more. should call it. One more. For he saw the living God. Joseph okay. Smith's first prayer. Oh my God. He's good. Wow. I told you he was like Mormon. To the Mormonist. Yeah, crush that. All right. You know, even all people right. with Alzheimer's can remember music <laughs> lyrics. It really gets in there deep. That's true. That's true. Well, Tanner wins that one. The win goes to Tanner. Mm-hmm. Okay. Tanner, you're a worthy winner. I yeah. really needed a win today. Did you? <laughs> well, there you go. We'll send you something. All right, sweet. So um, let's go back to you guys meet in your advertising class. You start making YouTube videos. We did a few videos for a class, but our YouTube partnership didn't really take off till we left the church. Um, We both mostly did sort of Mormon blogging while we were Mormon Mm. rather than YouTube. We never really made YouTube videos about Mormonism ever, I don't think. So what year did you guys really start doing these videos together and putting them on YouTube? 2015, right after we left the church, basically. And that poem was the first one that we did. The poem went pretty viral. I remember it just being everywhere on on all sorts of social media. It was pretty intense. It was there was a lot of anger. I'm assuming Tanner, this was your thoughts leaving the church, feeling lied to. Uh, do you want to talk any about that? Yeah, I think most of your listeners are probably familiar with the complicated feelings yeah. that come with leaving faith. Of you know having wanted it to be true, discovering that it wasn't. It's like an ultimate betrayal. It's a total like ego death in a sense. You lose your entire sense of identity and purpose and community, and you really are just like left as a, I don't know, kind of a ghost of a person. And it's really great after getting to find out who you are without those things. Yeah. But at the time, it's really hard. Did you experience that too, Samantha? Or would you say because there was less time in it, it was maybe less traumatic? Um, It was definitely traumatic having mm-hmm. my whole worldview crumble down. Um, yeah. I mean, it was maybe easier for me to accept that it wasn't true because I didn't grow up in it. Mm-hmm. But um, the depression after for a while was, was intense. Like it would come in waves. Um, mm-hmm. It's a little bit blurry now. Um, yeah, a lot of feelings of depression and kind of hopelessness aimlessness um I remember going to a therapist when I lived in Logan shortly after I left the church and 
he asked me what things I felt like made my life worth living. And the only thing I could think of was my cat, Clickbait. Oh, Clickbait. <laughs> it's a great name. sadly passed away since then. R.I.P. Clickbait. R.I.P. Clickbait. <laughs> and those of us that didn't make life living are still here. <laughs> yeah, Tana, I don't know why you didn't make the cut. I guess I knew it was like, well, I do really like Tana, but he was not a reason for me to stay alive. <laughs> I didn't depend on you in the same way. <laughs> That's so awesome. <laughs> Uh, You know, it's good to hear your stories and your feelings about how it was going through this, because I know so many of our listeners are right now leaving the church. They're in the process or Mm. they've just left and they're like, why am I so depressed? I don't know if I can go on. Did I make the right choice? I mean, that's legit shit. It's not anything to be scoffed at. So um, thanks for sharing your feelings. It's it's like telling someone to get over like the death of a close family member, Mm -hmm. but it's not even a close family member. It's like your own death that you have to grieve a whole life that you've lived under false pretenses and the things that you missed out on. And it's a continual form of grieving that has to take a lot of time and, and that does come in waves. So telling someone to rush it is just a, in classic Mormon fashion is a total like failure to understand human psychology, emotions, Mm -hmm. emotional health or anything. Absolutely. And another thing I just thought of that sucks is that when you are going through this depression, these waves of grief, and these Mormon people are like, just get over it, just get over it. You can't even talk to them about it. You can't even get any help from them because their solution is, we'll come back to church and you'll be fine. You've been misled. And so there's (laughs) nothing there to go to. You're lost within your own family and your own culture. Yeah. You can't turn to the people that are still in the church because they don't have any empathy for what you're going through. Right. They think that you've been misled. And to your brain, you know, you've essentially been kicked out the tribe and, mm-hmm. you know, you've lost your whole safety net. That's such a traumatic thing for your brain to go through. Like, there's almost no precedent in nature for somebody realizing that their deeply held beliefs are so false because, you know, our brains are wired to protect us from that mm. happening. That's um, true. So it's almost like I, I almost see it as a little bit of a modern phenomenon, you know, because if you take it all the way back to when our DNA was evolving to be the way it was like 200,000 years ago, you would never abandon the beliefs of your tribe because it would mean death. Right. Yeah, that's true. So how did you, Samantha, uh, turn it around? Like you, you were in this dark place. What you knew was your community. It was your world. So when you first left, I'm sure that was super traumatic and that may have lasted for a long time. Um, yeah. I mean, time is obviously a massive element. For me, I really dove into psychology even slightly before I left the church. And that was kind of another reason I was able to leave and and realize that what I believed may not be true because I had started to learn a little bit about psychology. But um, yeah, learning about how my mind works has been such a massive part of my healing journey and just understanding myself generally. Like I've, I've learned that I joined the church as almost like a coping mechanism for unhealed trauma. You know, I was seeking this safety that I hadn't felt as a child and, you know, sort of formed this codependent relationship with a religious community or with a religion or the idea of God or whatever it was. And I was so enamored with the idea of a loving father figure who's always there for you and that kind of stuff. And when I left the church, I had recently got married. So I think a big thing that happened is my codependency just shifted more from the church onto my marriage a little bit. Mm. Interesting. I mean, I, I suppose I was codependent before and after leaving the church because that's kind of the the nature of most relationships of you know <laughs> idiot 22 year olds um, oh, yeah. especially if you have been Mormon for years and and received a lot of bad teachings about relationships but yeah mm. <laughs> um I think I was newly married so was sort of like the novelty of that a little bit and then I don't know like it sounds silly but getting a cat was a big part of my healing journey because it was sort of my um entrance into re-establishing my connection to nature like you know as a Mormon you're taught that you're put on the earth um, and a big realization I had after leaving Mormonism is that I wasn't put on the earth I come from the earth I am the earth in the same way that a tree is the earth a mountain is the earth yeah. um, and getting a cat like really developed this part of me that had been underdeveloped it helped me develop more empathy for other living things like I'd mm-hmm. never really been an animal person or necessarily see myself as a big nature person but Mm -hmm. that was getting a cat was kind of a doorway into a whole new world and we also lived in Logan which had really amazing hiking and hiking was a big part of my healing journey I think and nature's been huge for me still is 
so yeah, it was a lot of different things, a lot of learning, a lot of um, books that really have been massive for me. Um, Sapiens by Yuval Noah Harari is one of them. Oh. Inner Bonding by Margaret Poole is another one, though that's one I've read more recently. Mm-hmm. So long story short, just sort of had a growth mindset the whole time. Like I've never been a person who's content to just stay in a situation I'm miserable in. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm always looking for ways to sort of level up in that respect. So yeah, um, long-winded answer, but basically learning, time, nature, and clickbait. I love <laughs> that answer, Samantha, because again, it's almost like the Mormon church keeps you from connecting with the yes. world. It yes. just keeps you like insulated and isolated. Yeah. 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 Yes. And you don't even look at the world. All it is is the world was created for us mm-hmm. and we have mm-hmm. dominion over it. And that's such a different feeling than we are one with the world. Yeah. It's, what a beautiful way to work through that Mormon trauma. I love that. Yeah. Tanner, how about you? Uh, very similar paths. Obviously, Sam- Samantha and I have been close in this journey and had a lot of thoughts exchanged and resources and materials exchanged. And so I think uh, listening to people like Alan Watts or Terrence McKenna and other philosophers um, getting into Buddhism, um, Native American spirituality, and finding a new paradigm for understanding my relationship with the world, the universe, how I fit into it, what I'm doing here. And uh, exactly like Samantha said, realizing that I'm a particle in a wave. And, you know, I was devastated to find out I didn't have a soul that was going to continue on after death. I know that some people will argue with me on that, but to me, I I don't see the evidence. Mm -hmm. So realizing that this life can be just as valuable, if not more valuable, more precious, the the rarity and the uh, temporality of it make it extremely special. And so how much more compelled I feel to live my life to the fullest, knowing that there's a time limit on it. Yeah, I love it. You just get to appreciate every day instead of every day waking up and saying, have I done my home teaching? You know, yeah. who can I baptize? <laughs> right. Am I uh, being a good Mormon am I today? Being a good Mormon? I read my yep. scriptures. I said my <laughs> prayers. <laughs> uh, checking all the boxes. Cool. So now you two are together and you have your YouTube channel and it's very popular. A lot of people love to watch you. How are we going to tell the people listening now why they need to watch? What do you talk about? Let's tell you about a little show called Provo's Most Eligible. <laughs> it's a dating oh my show. God. It's set in mm-hmm. Provo. It's everything you think it is and more. <laughs> and that's really consumed a lot of our YouTube life for the last 25 years, it feels like. Um, <laughs> oh, nice. That's been a big thing for us lately. Um, <laughs> lately, we've been trying to focus more on things that interest us beyond Mormonism. Like, you know, just generally how to be healthy fulfilled individuals, whether that's by focusing on, you know, relationship skills like nonviolent communication or creativity. I just started a 12-week creativity challenge on our channel. So if anyone's interested in joining that, get involved. Ooh, that's Um, cool. Tana's been doing a lot of music. We've Mm -hmm. both sort of been dabbling in music a little bit. What else have we been doing, Tan? Well, we're kind of a a variety show, so... (laughs) I I like it. It's it's Um, kind of like the Lawrence Welk show. Yeah, totally. (laughs) Love it. More Um, like Donnie and Marie. That's it, yeah. Mm. We've been peddling cringe almost exclusively through the Provo (laughs) Bachelor, so if you want some good Mormon cringe, come on down. But like I said, there's a variety of things we do. Um, We do just sit down and talk about things. We do interview guests, but we also do uh, comedy skits. We do poetry. We do art. We do music. We do parodies. Um, So you never know what's coming next with us. We like to to explore a lot of different things. How often do you all make videos and and upload videos? Is this constant? Such a good question. Such a good (laughs) question. Our viewers and ourselves would love to know. (laughs) Uh, we we usually probably average out like once or twice a week. Oh, that's great! That's great, I'd yeah. Say. yeah. We've been we've been sort of cheating, so we've been doing the Bachelor live streams with Mr. Atheist, who's a wonderful YouTuber. If you haven't heard of him or watched him, yeah, yeah, yeah. we have heard him. He actually mentioned us on one of his episodes uh, about the fuck was it? It was a dance kit. It was a dance, dance kit. kit. Yeah. It was offering instructions to teenage girls, I guess, on what to do, how to behave, how to dress for this dance. Yeah, it was fucking and ridiculous. If any boy 
asks you to dance, you should say yes to him, mm-hmm. no matter what, even if you're creeped out by some guy. Yeah. Because think of, you know, the courage he had to muster to approach you to ask him yeah. to dance. It's horrible. So at least say yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just look up first rape dance culture. kit. Mormon first dance kit, it'll show up. It's rape so culture. Yo, totally rapey. I posted that everywhere about it being rapey, and it went viral on Twitter. It's funny because when you post this stuff outside of Mormonism, People are like, what the hell? Uh-huh. Is, is this real? Like regular non-Mormon yeah, like, people? like regular non-Mormon people are like, that's, that's rapey. <laughs> and then like, Mormons yeah, are like, stop common. making a big deal out of nothing. You're being so uh, hateful. I know. I know. Yeah. It's no big deal. They're yeah, blowing it up. We get it. You hate it already. You oh left God. the church. Can't Idiot. you find something more productive to talk about? <laughs> uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, Tanner, I want to ask you really quickly because I saw your video high on a mountaintop when it first came out. Uh-huh. And I remember watching it and being like, holy shit. It just like hit me and I watched it again and it made me cry. And then I didn't watch it again until just recently when we were about to uh, interview you and it had the same thing. It hit me in the chest and it's so intense. Uh, If anyone has not seen it yet, you need to see it. It's called High on a Mountaintop and it's brilliant and amazing. And is there any background you might want to give to that, how that came to be? Um, It came to me at a time when I was processing some things um, from my time as a Mormon um, reevaluating situations that I was placed in that uh, were not good. And so it kind of just all came screaming out of me over the course of a couple days as I was processing that. And it also then became a sort of metaphor for my relationship with the church generally and my relationship with the Mormon figure of God. So you wrote that in two days? Uh, yeah, a couple of days, you know. And wow. That's awesome. You're brilliant. Yeah, that was amazing. That's Did amazing. Just... Do you both have um, a favorite video of yours? Oh, good question. Ooh. The one that springs to mind is, um, do you know the Three Mormons, the YouTube channel? They're called Saints Unscripted now. They're a Mormon YouTube channel. Sponsored um, by the church. Yeah, massively funded oh, by the church that they claim not to be. Oh. Um, mm-hmm. One of the sort of head people who does that channel made a video exposing us. So then we um, donned our Mormon aliases, Ian and Brinley, and we exposed ourselves in a response video. So I think the video is called Mormon Enforcement Exposes Self on the Shelf, and we expose oh ourselves, and it's beautiful. That is so great. You you know that you're doing something right if people are attacking you. Yeah, yeah I mean, fantastic. I love a good expose, but we just felt like it wasn't a good expose of us, and we could do a better job ourselves. <laughs> I love that. Oh, that's it's awesome. It's self-deprecating and fabulous. God, it's, it's so good. It's not letting the adversary win. <laughs> yeah, so we had a, a, probably not even a listener, just some jerk, give us a one-star review on the podcast. And then they also said, a great job doing the work of the adversary. <laughs> Ladies, whatever. So we made a t-shirt. It has one star at the top, and then it says, doing the work of the adversary, Latter-day Lesbian Podcast. <laughs> yeah. And it's like our best-selling shirt. That's the great yeah. thing. So I'm like, if people are going to troll and, and be rude, damn it, we're making merchandise out of that. <laughs> we're yeah. going to do something with it. Honestly, me and Tana would love a little boost from Satan just to like get some fire <laughs> up in us sometimes yeah. when we're feeling lazy. So to speak. If Hell, Satan were fires. real, we'd be getting a lot more, <laughs> more dividends from him. <laughs> it would be. Maybe it's all fake. Uh, yeah, you're starting to think it's all fake. <laughs> so Shelly, this sounds like a good time for a break. I agree. We'll be right back. We are supported by apostate coffee, a damn good cup of joe. I would like to bear my testimony that you will love this blend with every fiber of your being. Uh, you mean bean? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> the Les Bean medium dark variety roasted in small batches to ensure freshness, zero bitterness, and balanced acidity. With the sacred, not secret combo of caramel and cocoa, Very fancy. Mm -hmm. This coffee will nourish and strengthen your body. So stop drinking subpar coffee. Give the Lesbian Blend a try today at apostatecoffee.com. That's apostatecoffee.com. And we're back. Hello. On our podcast, you know, Shelly has done a lot of healing through podcasting. Is there anything from either of your religious experiences that you have held on to that has meaning for you and that you do cherish? It's been said before that what makes the church unique is not necessarily good 
and what makes the church good is not unique. And so uh, a lot of the things that I learned while in the church, like honesty and uh, hard work and uh, compassion, those things I took from my experience and was facilitated there, but the church isn't the only one teaching compassion and honesty and hard work. Yeah. Pretty much everybody does. So, yeah, they don't hold the market on teaching like, you know, love and compassion. Lo- love and compassion. <laughs> they say the words, they don't necessarily act that way, but you didn't need to be Mormon to learn how to be family oriented or, you know, all the shit they teach. It's not a Mormon thing to be a good person. How about you, Samantha? Is there anything you took with you? I think Mormonism was instrumental in my development in certain ways. And it's hard to say how much because obviously I don't know what would have happened if I hadn't have become Mormon, but. Like, Mormonism did make me start thinking about other people a bit more, even if it was only, you know, with the motive of getting blessings or, you know, pleasing some sky dad. But um, I don't know. Even that's a a weird one to bring up because, you know, I was 17 when I joined and, and your brain is still developing empathy up until you're about 25. Mm, yeah. So it probably is something that would have happened either way. And also any greater sense of compassion I did develop in Mormonism was very like reward motivated mostly. And then also just through a weird lens and it was like selective compassion and then almost um, like actively harming people with a lot of my beliefs, um, even if I wasn't, you know, voting in elections or whatever. But so I don't know. Yeah, basically no. (laughs) Yeah. Selective (laughs) compassion. Yeah, that's interesting. That's a good term. I've not heard that before, but definitely, you know, as Mormons, we, back when we were Mormons, we were supposed to be compassionate to, you know, the widow next door or the lady who just had the baby in these casseroles or whatever the hell it is, but have compassion on, uh, you know, a transgender child. Mm -hmm. No, not going to do that. Mm -hmm. Um, Have compassion on the teenage girl who got pregnant. No, she needs to give the baby up. We are compassionate toward Mormons or to people who act like Mormons, and that's it. Anyone else, you better get your shit together. Yeah. Which is not true compassion anyway. That's not compassion. Well, a lot of their compassion for people like, you know, the pregnant teen or the transgender child, it's more pity than compassion. Like, they see it as like, wow, that's so sad that they're, like, making such sinful choices. Proper sense of compassion is compassion for every sentient being. Yeah. When you are raised with only one perspective and are forbidden from viewing life from any other perspective, you're bound to have some blind spots. Mm -hmm. And so the Mormons for sure can't adequately live the golden rule, for instance, like with their treatment of gays. You know, it's like, oh, we love gay people so much. And it's like, no, you don't. The church literally actively is trying to delegitimize them legally, trying to strip them of rights, paid so much money fighting gay marriage here in the States and is still to Mm -hmm. this day fighting gay marriage in other countries. And so like, okay, do unto others as you had have them do unto you. Well, what if people were trying to make Mormon marriages illegal, something that Mormons have experienced in their history, and Mm -hmm. yet they still are blind to that sort of thing? Yeah. It's very easy to justify when you think that you know what God wants for other people, because then you can see it as, (laughs) well, this is being loving to the gays. Like, making gay marriage illegal Mm -hmm. is the most loving thing I could do. And, you know, you can just twist it so easily because you're not ever really— I hurt you because I love you. Yeah, Mm -hmm. you're not weighing (laughs) up, like, the disparate amounts of suffering that various positions— cause in the world and yeah. because as a Mormon or a Christian or you know in lots of religions suffering is almost seen as necessary or something God puts you through because you're not making the right choices like whereas as a you know a secular humanist or whatever you want to call me now I want to limit suffering as much as possible but there is a sort of Christian idea that suffering is good right right and that these poor, poor gay souls, me being one of them, this is my challenge in life mm. and I need to overcome that challenge. It's like, yeah. So for me, I didn't leave the church because of any kind of history. I didn't really know it. I just was one of those Mormons who didn't know shit, just went along with it. Like, it, it's all true. I just got exhausted. I got exhausted and mm. I needed a break. And then I started to question some things like polygamy, you know, your, your typical questions that one might have. But the treatment I received from people as I was questioning, that definitely kicked me out faster because Mm -hmm. they suddenly were freaking out and they were suddenly saying bad things about me. And, you know, I suddenly I wasn't allowed to talk in Sunday school or Relief Society. I was told I wasn't allowed to talk. And even when, when my bishop took my temple recommended for me because I told him I'd had a beer, he <laughs> took it from me and I was like, Bishop, 
I'm questioning, I'm struggling. If there's anywhere I need to be right now, it's in the temple where I can pray and be close to God. You know, in my mind, that would work. But he had zero compassion. Mm-hmm. And he said, oh, should we just let heroin addicts into the temple too? Is that what we should <laughs> yeah, do? Probably. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, hell yeah. Like um, heroin so addicts just, are probably traumatized as children and that's why they're heroin addicts. <laughs> right? Exactly. They don't see the human. He couldn't see yeah. my pain. Yeah. Because I explained to him, I had a beer because I needed to calm my nerves. I was losing. It. I had just had my seventh kid. I was overwhelmed. I Jesus. didn't want to go on um, any kind of medications, although I am now. I, that's what I really needed. And I was hoping to have some compassion, but there was none because I was breaking a rule. Mm, it's such a juvenile view of morality, just like the hard and oh, fast rules. Completely. One beer. It wasn't even a good beer. It was a fucking Heineken. <laughs> like, what a waste. Oh, yeah, it's pretty much the worst one. <laughs> so, that's all right. I'm making up for lost time now. Go ahead, Mary. On your website, I was just looking at this article you have. It says, when a loved one leaves Mormonism, don't use this phrase, and it's, I still love you. Oh, that's the worst. <laughs> what, what is your take on that, Tanner and Samantha? That was just something I observed a lot while leaving. That's sort of one of the best responses you can hope for when telling a Mormon loved one that you're leaving the church. The thing is, is like the word still implies, mm-hmm. even though In even though you've of. done this bad thing, <laughs> I still love you. Exactly. Yeah. I'm still capable of loving you, even though... You know, it's, yeah. it's just I will, like the I will implied. Look past this. Yeah. yeah. I will condescend to shine my light down into the deepest abyss of your heart. <laughs> He's such a poet. Yeah, uh, he really is. <laughs> <laughs> I think, you know what we should have done when we left the church? I should have gone to my family and said, look, here's the thing. I'm leaving the church. And you're staying in the church, but I still love you even though you're staying. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah. Turn it on them. Turn that shit. <laughs> should have. Um, The other thing I wanted to ask about is you have another section on your website called Spirituality After Mormonism. What does that look like for you guys? Ooh, this is the stuff we really care about, I think. Um, (laughs) Tan, do you want to go first? I feel like I've been talking a lot. Sure. For me, and I think for people, how it ought to be is is a very personal journey. I consider the church kind of like the McDonald's of religion, like in spiritual terms, the lowest nutrition you can get. There isn't a proper theologian or philosopher among all the leaders of the church, nothing really to sink your teeth into. And the rituals and, and rites are so dead and barren of anything meaningful or compelling. If you're able to get something from it, it's because you're just a good person who's wired for it, who can find, uh, you know, pearls amongst the swine of the church, you know? Um, (laughs) And so my spirituality today is um, closely tied to my creativity, the way that I feel as, um, in a sense, the universe becoming aware of itself, the world becoming aware of itself. And when I view my life through that lens and that paradigm, I feel a lot of things. I feel a lot of pain for the world, for the other other inhabitants, the other uh, manifestations of consciousness around me, be they people or animals. And so the things that I, that I create are a way of processing those feelings and, and trying to take that pain and turn it into something beautiful. It exists and that comes through in personal ritual that draws from lots of different traditions, from Buddhism and Taoism and paganism and shamanism and you name it. I'm interested in all of it because I think that they're all modalities for understanding who we are and what makes a valuable life, what makes life worth living. Wow. Yeah. For sure. And also, uh, I'd I'd also say um, community is still an important part of my spirituality. I found communities that share a similar perspective as I do. There's a a community here in Salt Lake called Ecstatic Dance that gets together. And it's like a no talking, no touching without consent, (laughs) spiritual experience of of being able to dance out feelings and have a co-creative experience with music and movement. Wow. And connecting in like a totally like platonic, but yet deeply connected way with people. Wow. Yeah. And so uh, that's important to me. Wow. That's that a, that's sounds a, great. That's a far stretch from Mormonism. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> yeah. I love it. So interesting. I've definitely taken more of a spiritual route since leaving the church, but I have a long way to go. I'm still figuring things out. I think it's hard when your entire life you're told 
who you are, where you came from, what you need to do, who God is. Like they tell you everything. And so you don't explore anything within yourself. So when you leave, you're just kind of a blank slate with nowhere to go except for trauma in your past and you're well, trying and to figure it out. Well, it might be difficult to trust anything. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Because you felt like you trusted something and then it let you down. Yeah, for sure. How about you, Samantha? Tell us about your spirituality. Okay. So um, if we think of ultimately spirituality as connection to something bigger than yourself, like that feeling that inspires a sense of wanting to be better, like wanting to be your best self, wanting to love people more, wanting to, you know, feel like there's sort of a higher purpose to your life. And, And as I mentioned before, a big part of it has been nature and realizing that I am the earth and um veganism has been a big part of my spirituality for the last um I don't know four or so years um and just feeling like I'm doing something that you know aligns with my ideas about reducing suffering yeah another big part of spirituality for me is understanding myself Um, As you mentioned, it is hard to trust anything after Mormonism, and you certainly aren't taught to trust yourself in Mormonism. Mm -hmm. And understanding myself has really been like my work the last four years or five years is just going on this journey of figuring out who I am. And a, a big part of that is understanding why I am the way that I am and the experiences in my life that have conditioned me to be the way that I am because we're all just the products of our genetics and our life experiences sort of interacting um and so many things that we are are just because of the things that have happened to us well all of the things we are are because of things that have happened to us and so yeah a big thing for me has been understanding how many stories we tell ourselves about who we are and how the world is based on the ways we've been conditioned And being able to recognize that those stories don't necessarily represent reality. I'd probably describe myself as a Buddhist if I had to put a label on it. Um, And a a big part of Buddhism is is seeing through delusion and seeing through these stories that we tell ourselves about who we are or aka the ego Hmm. and being able to just be truly present with life rather than, you know, constantly seeing life through these different filters that your life experiences have given you, just looking at things, you know, as much as you can, just for exactly what they are. And so in doing that, I've found that I feel a greater sense of oneness with everything, with everyone, with everything, because I do recognize that ultimately everything is one, everything's interconnected. Like we think of ourselves as separate beings and we sort of are but at the same time everything we are is influenced by other people and the food we eat and the the things we interact with every day like we're all made up of parts of each other in a lot of senses and you know we all share this planet um this is a very rambly answer but um I think spirituality for me is living in the present moment um and also Mm -hmm. constantly trying to develop my compassion to be more complete one of the things I love Mm -hmm. about Buddhism is that there are, you know, these methods, these practices that Buddhists will do to expand their sense of compassion. Like they'll do loving kindness meditations for people and they'll usually start out with someone it's easy to feel compassion for, like a loved one, and then they'll go to a neutral person and then maybe they end up with, you know, Donald Trump or whoever it is, like someone you really (laughs) don't like, trying to expand your compassion until it includes everyone because everyone is just a product of their genetics and experiences. And like Donald Trump had a horrifying childhood of like trauma and no doubt abuse. Nobody is the way that they are in a vacuum. I don't believe evil just springs up in a vacuum or that people choose it. So yeah, not, I guess, losing notions of free will existing has also been a big part of (laughs) my spirituality because I feel like once you understand that free will doesn't exist in the way that we think it does, you are better able to create positive change in the world through, you know, changing systems and things like Mm -hmm. that. So yeah, spirituality is such a big thing. I wish I had like a good soundbite answer I could have given them. Um, (laughs) That's okay because it's also a complicated notion. Yeah, I haven't written my thesis yet, so. (laughs) (laughs) I want to say that spirituality now is so much more, I like to say, metal than it was as a Mormon, because Mormonism Mm -hmm. was largely just sticking your head in the sand and pretending that everything was going to work out. Oh, I don't have to worry about the world burning or falling apart or all this horrific suffering Mm -hmm. because God's going to take care of everything in the end. And the reality is that God doesn't take care of everything in the end. Some things Mm -hmm. are just horrifyingly terrible. (laughs) So uh, like Samantha said, learning to be present even in your pain rather than uh, Mm. looking for just uh, immediate alleviation or hoping that Sky Dad will make everything right. 
uh, learning <laughs> yeah. to just accept everything as it is is yeah. a true challenge. And the reason I do it isn't because I want a reward. It's because I will literally die without it. <laughs> right. so yeah. That's why I think we practice our spiritual practices or whatever mm-hmm. it is. I, I love it. I actually did not recycle my entire life. Didn't, re- <laughs> didn't practice recycling. And I made fun of people recycled who recycled because in my mind, this is God's earth. He's going to take care of it. Do you really think that we could ruin it? I mean, this is God's. Like, I was that brainwashed. I was in such a bubble where the earth didn't matter. The world didn't matter. All that mattered was keeping my covenants and checking the boxes because everything else would be taken care of. So take that and then take God out and no one's taking care of it. And you're like, oh shit, I need to step it up. I need to be there for my fellow humans. You know, I'm not just going to be like, well, so-and-so is going to get baptized after they're dead. So we don't need to worry about being kind and compassionate. You get God out of the picture and suddenly there's the world that suddenly needs Suddenly the responsibility love. is on you, yeah. the person. Yeah. Which is how it always is. Don't you think that would be a much better test if God really put us on here to test us? If he was going to give us a planet, don't you think the perfect test is to see how we would treat how we take care of it, how we take care of each other and the things around us. You know, not to get Bible-y, and I don't know the verse (laughs) and book, but we were supposed to be stewards of the earth. That's our job. We're commanded to do so. Mormon stewardship is a different (laughs) different (laughs) definition. Yeah. It's like we're the chosen ones and, and God you don't have to do supports anything. whatever we do. So. And climate yeah. change is fake, but in the last yeah. days there's going to be <laughs> wars and rumors of wars and famines and fires <laughs> and floods, right. and we don't know how it's going to happen, but it's not climate change and we're not doing <laughs> That's it. That's right. Exactly. Definitely we, not we didn't do climate it. Change. Oh, um, we probably yeah. should think about wrapping this up. You guys have been really generous with your time. I do have a question for Samantha, though. And then I have a question for Tanner. Okay. Ooh. Okay. <laughs> Samantha. Did you realize that Jello was a salad and not a dessert before you got to Idaho and then Utah? No, I didn't. <laughs> it was called it was called jelly. I ate a lot of zero calorie jelly in high school, and that was the extent of my experience with it. <laughs> I That's found meant. that out too. Yeah, and it served Ma- at pretty much every dinner, isn't it? Mary learned some amazing things being my girlfriend. Some amazing uh-huh. things. I've managed to avoid Jello whenever it's been served <laughs> smart, to me, though. Smart. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What was your question? Oh, for my Tanner? question for Tanner. That's right. So you've lived the entire life as a Mormon mission, the whole thing. A lot of our listeners are right now, like I said before, currently thinking, I need to get out. I'm scared to death. What's my life going to be? What could you, in a nutshell, give them as advice of how it can be on the other side of it? Um, It's a truly like once in a lifetime, once in a billion, gazillion years. You know, think of all the time it's taken for the stars to form to live and die and scatter into the universe and then form into a planet and for the molecules to line up properly and in just the right situation for life to take form and evolve through hundreds and thousands of millions of years and for you know animals to live and to suffer and to die, reproduce uh, in this long chain, this long web of life leading up to you. Think of all the things that it's taken for you to get to where you are today and to have the choice. I don't believe in in free will in the sense that it's traditionally talked about, but you do have the perception of a choice of how are you going to live, uh, as Mary Oliver says, how are you going to live this one precious life? You have just a blink in the whole grand scheme of things to do something, to be awake, to be aware, and you can make life anything that you want it to be, and you've never had that chance before because you've always only done what other people wanted you to do, what the church said you ought to want to do, and you've never followed what you actually wanted. So what do you want to do when no one is telling you what you want? Who are you when there's no one to tell you who you are? And that, I think, is the great, mysterious, purposeful quest in life is to find out not why were you put on this planet but to give yourself the why, to, to discover what you can gain and give in this process, I think is to find the pearl of great price, you know, the whatever it is that the mystics and prophets have talked about, that, that awareness, that true communion with self. And uh, there's, there's nothing better, I don't think. That's awesome. That I is awesome. It. I love it. And it made me think of something else. Um, 
You're right. It's like all that had to happen for us to be where we are now. And we're going to be petty about what spirituality or religion we all subscribe to. And we're going to judge people for not feeling the exact same way that we do. Why is that important? Why do we put so much importance on that? Like Samantha said, it goes against our like most basic animalistic programming that we are communal animals. We're, we're pack animals. And to leave the tribe is to, is to die. That's how mm-hmm. our bodies react to it. That's how our bodies see it and process it. Yeah. And yet everything that we want is on the other side of our fears. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. Fear is a construct. Nailed it. Nailed it. (laughs) So before we wrap it up, um, thank you guys so much for your time today. But is there any kind of upcoming project or anything you're working on that you want to tell our listeners about? And it's okay if the answer is (laughs) no. You also have a pretty fun Patreon page. You can throw that out there. We do have a fun Patreon page. We're always trying to raise money so we can make music. Tana's mm-hmm. working on a really amazing song right now. Yeah, I've got a few songs down the pipeline. I live in an art collective, and part of it is a production studio, and we're working on a fun music video that's the sequel to the High on a Mountaintop video. So, Oh, wow. Well, that's all I have. Do you have any other questions, Shelly? I could talk to these guys all night, but it's, For you know, real. it's, getting, it's getting late here on it's the East Coast. It's getting late, yeah. Um, <laughs> I love to hear the journeys. I love that you all will, you know, tell some of your stories so our listeners can hear and be motivated and, and feel like they're not alone. Mm-hmm. Um, so thanks for sharing your emotion with us. I think that so many people, as they leave the church, they feel like they're alone. Like no one's ever done mm-hmm. this. No one's ever felt this way. People need to know they're not alone. And mm-hmm. so when, when people like yourselves will share your emotions and your feelings and your experiences, it strengthens others and it helps them to leave and to find who they are and decide who they are and find actual happiness. If you don't mind me interjecting one more time, it feels alone only because the church has kept us isolated, right? Mm -hmm. Um, But this experience is a pretty common human experience these days. Granted, not everyone comes from like a super high demand cult or or high demand religion, but Mm -hmm. this is a very common experience. And there are lots of people who share it. And if you look at it rather than, oh, my life just crumbling apart, look at it as a phase of growing up that has to happen for you to take your fully evolved form. You're coming out of the cocoon. (laughs) And this this is the process. This is what it takes to become a fully developed human. I love it. Yeah. So being a Mormon was not a waste. It brought you to where you are now. Absolutely. When you realize that, that's when the healing really kind of takes its place. It's like, I'm okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I have zero resentment towards the fact that I was Mormon. Like, I'm so happy Mm -hmm. that everything has played out the way it has. It's the most random journey, but it's (laughs) landed... I mean, it's still ongoing. You never really We're land. We're now but... on Latter Day Lesbian Podcast. But now what can be better? Lesbian podcast. So like, you have arrived. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> and then maybe we'll be in one of your videos one day. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so yeah. much for yeah. having us. Oh, of you're course. so welcome. Absolutely. Thank you for joining Thanks us. for letting us talk about some of the stuff we care about. That was really awesome. Absolutely. You know, when we interview people, we want to get, you know, the funny side and, and what was like me Mormon and everything. But what really we love to talk about is where they are now and where they're going, because that healing is so yeah, important. Yeah. So good, good for both of you for being on that path to healing and for sharing it with others and the spirituality and the encouragement is just beautiful. You guys are beautiful. Mm. Thank you so much. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Mm. Amen. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, thank you both. Uh, This has been lovely. Yeah. So Shelly, let's take one final break. Mm -hmm. And when we come back, we'll get to uh, some patrons. Mm -hmm. We've got some good ones. So make sure you meet us back here right after the break. (laughs) Or if you're feeling triggery, you don't have to. Do whatever you want. (laughs) Let your conscience be your guide. Yes. Okay. Follow the yellow brick road. (laughs) Oh, geez. Birds of a feather Mm -hmm. flock together. Aren't you joining in? Like, give me a give me a thing. Do unto others. Okay. Can we just go to the break? Okay. Break. Be right back. We are supported by new dating app. Hey, listeners, raise your hand if you think dating after Mormonism is difficult. Probably 95% of our listeners are raising their hands right now. (laughs) You know, it's hard meeting someone and having to explain your whole wacky Mormon upbringing. Oh, we went through this. And since your faith transition, you've probably been kicked out of the singles ward. So now what? Oh, that is 
challenging. Mm -hmm. Check out New. It's an ex-Mormon dating app available for download on both Android and iPhone. Are you ready to find post-Mormon love with someone who understands your story? I know I am. (laughs) Oh, wait, wait, too late. (laughs) (laughs) Visit newdating.app and learn more. That's newdating.app. Okay, we are back, and I I suppose you're going to want me to try to think of some patron names, last names, right? I mean, if you want. I've got a few covered here. I'm kind of fried, but I'll do what I can. We'll do our best. It's been a long day of recording. Mm -hmm, Um, mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was but a great interview. It was a great interview. And, you know, we don't want to neglect these patrons because they're no, some good ones. No, of course not. We want to give them all the love. Shall I begin? Do you have exactly five? <laughs> One, two, three, four, five. Oh, Weird. my gosh. That's oh a tender gosh. mercy. That's uh, a coinkity. It never happens. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Patron number one. Yeah. Michelle K. And this is Michelle with one L. One L Michelle. One L Michelle. You know, I knew a one L Michelle in Atlanta. Did you? I've never yeah, known in the a one L Michelle. No. First, I thought maybe she misspelled it. Well, I thought that maybe I had misspelled it in my list, and so I had to go back and look through um, on Patreon and find her name. Like, no, it is one L. And even then, I was like, maybe she misspelled it. Like, I kept thinking. Right. But no, I've come to terms with one L Michelle. Well, awesome. I think one L Michelle is k- k- killing it. Um, yeah. Okay. Do you have something better than no, k- k- killing it? I mean, it? it's not really a last name. I'm gonna love you through this. <laughs> That's <laughs> more all of I can an adjective do. or something. <laughs> okay, Michelle with one L and an adjective. That mm-hmm. is your name. <laughs> Next, Missy C. Missy C. You got one. I'm putting Mary on the spot. Why me? Well, I don't know. Because the only thing I thought of was that my dog's name growing up was Misty. That's not even oh, Missy's no, name though. But no. Misty was a fucking awesome badass dog. Missy with a C stands for can't think of another last name right now. Wow. Missy with a C. If you would like to write in to Mary and tell her how horrible that was. How lame I am. Contact at latterdaylesbian.org. Put in the subject line, Mary is lame. Mary sucks. Mary sucks. (laughs) We hate her. Mm -hmm. Next one is Aubrey S. Aubrey. That's a neat name. I knew an Aubrey one time. Did you? Yeah. I like it. But you know what? When your name is um, plain like mine, no offense to any other Mary in the world, you might love you your name. just disgrace the mother of Jesus. Okay, uh, I, I can live with that. Okay. It's going to be okay. Mm-hmm. Any name that's more interesting, in my opinion, mm-hmm. than my own name, I am like thumbs up. So, Aubrey, way to go. I like your name. So, Aubrey's last name is actually really cool. Oh. But I'm not going to say it because we mm-hmm. said we're not going to say right. last names. But it's, it's the name of a bird. And it's not seagull. <laughs> we'll just leave it at that. Okay. But I like it. Aubrey S., I really like your last name. It reminds me of the birds that I have tattooed all over my arm. Can I say that? We're going to give away her name. <laughs> no, they don't know. These could be sucker fish. <laughs> Starlings. Starlings. <laughs> there you go. Thank you. Aubrey Starling. Mm, okay. All right. Better. Mm-hmm. Next one. And this, I love this. Next is Kelly. Mm-hmm. Last initial T. I would never be able to pronounce her last name because it's crazy. But oh. this is what I love about Kelly. Is crazy a nice thing to say about Kelly's last name? Um, how about um, there's unusual? There's lots of vowels. And it's unusual. <laughs> okay. Yeah, okay. lots of vowels. Um, so Kelly joins Patreon. And we have tiers you can sign up for. There's mm-hmm. like a $2 tier, a $4 yeah. tier. You know, they go all the way up. And Kelly just picked her own damn dollar amount. Oh, nice. <laughs> I love it. She's got no rules. It's like, you know what? She's doing her own thing. I don't want this tier or this tier. I'm going to pick my own dollar amount and bam, that's my yeah. tier. There you go. I like it. So when you want to come in and make your own dollar amount, I say effing go for it. We Do will still you give you access to every benefit of all the tiers mm-hmm. um, that your dollar amount that you made up fits Covers. into. That's yeah. right. Okay. Go <laughs> it for it, Kelly. smile. I like it. Do you, Kelly? Do you? Mm-hmm. Is that it? No. Oh, okay. Bob. <laughs> Bob. Okay. Bob V. Bob V. Bob. Okay. What does the V stand for? I want to say vagina, but I'm not sure oh. that's appropriate, so I won't. <laughs> um, Bob. Victorious. No? No. Bob. Okay. Vacuum? Vacuum? No. 
It sounds like Bob sucks. If you, if you give him the last name vacuum, <laughs> Bob. See we what love I did you. there? But I did. I like I Victoria's sucks. better. Okay, Bob Victoria. <laughs> Is he a superhero? Mm-hmm. Did you see me put my <laughs> hands know, on yeah, my waist? You put your hands on your hips. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That was for you, you need Bob. Need a cape. I don't have one. Anyway, <laughs> fresh out of cape. Michelle, Missy, Aubrey, Kelly, Bob. Thank you. Thank you all so very much. Also, don't forget you can join us on Marco Polo channels. True story. Uh, we are having a shit ton of fun. We're doing a lot of singing for some reason. I, I don't know how it's become that. Uh, it doesn't have know. to stay that. No? It just shifts, you know, with whatever, wherever the conversation yeah, goes, we yeah. just go with it. It's different every day. It is. It's mm-hmm. nice to get to know our channel subscribers better. And just fun, folks. Yeah. I love it. Really appreciate that. Yep. Right now, it is still only for iPhone, but Android is coming soon. Really, so, really soon. Yeah. If you can't get in yet, it's coming. I promise. Yep. If you would like more information, please visit latterdaylesbian.org slash polo mm-hmm. to sign up. Okay. I think we covered it. Did we cover it? I believe so. All right. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Oh, okay. Nope. That feels a little weird to me. He's not listening anyway. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'd like to thank Dan at Extension Audio. Thank you, Leave It In, Dan. Thank you, Dan, for leaving all that shit in. Mm-hmm. Appreciate that. And to the rest of you, remember... Steer clear of cults, because they are no joke. No joke at all. Talk to y'all later. Bye.